Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Air It Out podcast. This is episode 14, if you keep track at home. I'm Ryan the Goose Gosker, joined by my co-host, Jolan Bioqua. Jolan, welcome. Brother, been a long week. Rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, absolutely. We lost a legend this week, and unfortunately, 2020 just continues to be a pain in everybody's rear end, and I, I honestly will sign a contract that says I will not talk about this year, outside of the fact that I graduated college. <laughs> Quick NBA. I will, I will not talk about this year after it's over. I promise you that because it has been one tough year. But, Jolan, there is some sports going on, and we got a lot to talk about, so we're going to get right into it. The bright we're, side of this year. Correct. Mr. Brightside by the Killers. We're going to go right into the NFL, actually, and they're under two weeks away, and I mean, nobody's counting down more more like I am. If you gave me 10 more minutes, I'd probably have the hours and the minutes for you. But I do not at this moment in time. But I can tell you it's under two weeks until the Houston Texans play the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City in front of 14,000 fans. Joel, and that, it gives me goosebumps right now, and no pun intended with the nickname being Goose. But it gives me goosebumps to even just think about us playing football this year. I mean, it's super exciting. I think Chiefs know that they can hold a certain amount of people while being safe. I think this plan has been thought through. I think they went through the logistics, they went through the analytics, and I think the 14,000 is a number they've hit through a certain math and other situations. I don't think, however, that every stadium is going to have fans. Like I said last episode, the hotspots, I think certain stadiums should restrict any fans at all, including Miami. I think they're one to be looked at, especially with their city. Funny you should say that because Miami is going to have 13,000 fans at their home opener against the Buffalo Bills, who, by the way, the only actual football team in New York. Let's let's remind the people at home. But that, to me, it just flabbergasts me, to be completely honest, because you're the epicenter of the virus. How are you having fans at your games? I don't understand. You're right. Missouri, Kansas City has not been hit as hard as as we have here in New Jersey, as New York has, as Florida has. It makes sense for them to find a different way. I think I think that number 14,000 is close to 23% of their capacity. But Miami? Are you kidding? Really? Really? We think that's a good idea? We've seen everything. DeSantis down there, the dude's been inviting sports teams since, like, March. Which is ridiculous. He's inviting everybody. Like, I'm no health expert, so I can't say what is and isn't good for protocol. But I would hope Miami also has done, like, some analytical or logistical thing where they can get fans in the stands. But like you said, they're just way too in a hot spot. Wait a month. Wait four games of the season. See where you're at in October and reevaluate. But uh, the way they handled it could determine the rest of the season, honestly. And unfortunately, the way a lot of this coronavirus has been handled, unfortunately, Jolan, has been political which unfortunately has been advertised, and that that is just what we have seen. So do I think that plays a little bit into this decision? Absolutely. But we're not going to go too deep into there. But regardless, it's going to be great to see football back. Now, speaking of COVID, COVID seems to be under control in the NFL. They seem to be doing a real good job. You know, when the guys are together, you know, they're not really social distancing, but they do have their masks on. When you watch Hard Knocks, they mentioned the Rams and the Chargers because they're doing a two-for-one special this year. Which is fantastic, by the way. It's a lot of entertainment. Both both teams have great personalities. Love Hard Knocks every year. Absolutely. Terrific this year, too. 
They just showed SoFi Stadium, which is the new LA stadium. Gorgeous. Absolutely. Off gorgeous. note, my favorite days were probably the Marvin Lewis Bengals ones. Those were super fun to watch back in the day. All our RIP Marvin Lewis's coaching career. So Jeez. let's just put it that way. But <laughs> according to Hard Knocks, there has been zero cases between the Rams and the Chargers that I believe includes personnel, but it definitely includes players, which is massive. For everybody involved, and it seems we've turned the corner from last episode when we were talking about the false positives, and that was a big concern integrity-wise, but I think they the NFL has gotten it under control now. Yeah, I think it's a big discipline thing. Like, you see, like, the college athletes, they're partying, they have to shut schools down now, and all of a sudden, I think the NFL guys realize, hey, this is a paycheck. Like, yeah, we have this giant platform. If we stay disciplined enough, we can perform in this platform. So I think these guys are really, really staying disciplined. They want to play. You can see the numbers going down, way down for the NFL. These guys want to stay conditioned enough to be ready for a week-to-week basis. So they're not going to go out on the nightclubs and see what's going on over there. And for many of them, that's how they put food on the table. It really is. It's how they support a family. I mean, one one year of salary, you can put food on the table for a while. Right, but, but even some of these guys, That is man, their career, just, I know what you mean. Right, and it depends on the lifestyle they want to live. And if they're living a lavish one, you know, now you start losing and... Listen, those big properties, man, they got big taxes on them, too. So you can't underestimate that aspect of it. But now I want to turn it to a local team in the New York Giants. It's something we've kind of seen in the media these this last week, past couple weeks, is Joe Judge and his coaching style. Now, Jolan, I know you know this. This takes me to back to 6th grade, 7th grade, 8th grade football, the way he's making them run laps for mess-ups and screw-ups and... You know, he said he wants to get Daniel Jones some contact, so he's just going to let guys wail on him and stuff like that after practice or something like that. You know, I, I guess my question is, it works in New England, but can it work outside in New England? Is this a two-past type thinking of Joe Judge? Is this... Is this a coaching style that we should have left in the 50s? Well, I would hope not because Joe Judge wants to be a winner. He's a proven winner at Alabama and New England, so you see his resume is already on track for winning. Now, is his style a little too rough for today's game? You might say so. These guys are grown adults. They have obviously know how to train or they wouldn't be here. But at the same time, he's taking over an organization that has no foundation, that has no roots, and that has owners really upset that they fired the last regime twice. So... They're working with a GM now that just recently got hired in um, David Gettleman. Sorry about that. Jerry Reese had a long tenure, and they went through so many coaches, just Tom Coughlin. So David Gettleman's on the hot seat. Joe Judge is now essentially on the hot seat because it would be a two-for-one package. You fire Gettleman, you got to fire the coach. So now he's playing for or coaching for his job, and he's not in a position now to take it soft. He has to coach hard, has to take it physical. He has to win. And in Joe Judge's defense... What has worked for the Giants? Nothing. Nothing. We've seen these laid-back styles. Pat Shermer might be the most laid-back coach I've ever seen in my life, and the Giants were horrific underneath him. So it's a complete 180 from what Pat Shermer was, and we're going to see if it works. We're going to see how the guys respond to it. I think that's going to be an interesting headline to watch. Another thing is, nobody really talks about it in New England. You never get the reports that what Bill Belichick's doing you know at, why? at his practice. You know why? Why? Because he's in the New York media. Exactly. Joe so Judge will it work? The that's, media. that's the question. Will it work in the New York media as opposed to New England? That's a great question, and it hasn't. For anybody outside of Bill Belichick's coaching tree now, he's got Brian Flores, who's been, who's been really good so far. Mike Vrabel's been terrific. Outside of that, he's had a lot of disciples that have come out of New England and haven't been great. 
A big current one is Matt Patricia. Has not been great overall. But we're going to see. I think it might be a little bit too rough for today's game. You know, the running laps thing. But again, it's making these guys, A, practice harder, and B, kind of get their minds right. Because... If you don't want to be there, get off the field. Right. Because who wants to run laps? You try to concentrate a little bit more when coach when coach makes you run laps. And again, from what I understand, Saquon Barkley has run laps at practice. So this is not just like the scrubs go run laps. This is like the best player on the team is running laps too. So he's holding guys accountable. Now, the one piece of unfortunate news for the Giants, safety and second-round pick, Xavier McKinney, did break his foot. So that is that is worrisome, I believe. I want to say that's somewhere between six and eight weeks at minimum, uh, maybe before he can start football activities again or something like that. So that's a big loss for that defense. David Mayo, one of the linebackers, tore his meniscus. Now, I've played on two torn meniscuses before, or menisci. I don't even know what you would call it at that point. But so hopefully he can get back out there, and we'll see. But right now, I think Joe Judge is trying to integrate a style we haven't seen from the Giants since Tom Coughlin. Last time I checked, Tom Coughlin won two Super Bowls with that strategy. So now you need the right pieces and the right leaders to be able to do that. But it will be fun to watch with Joe Judge, and and, and I just think he's trying something different. So let's just segue from new coach to uh, new quarterbacks. So Herbert, Love, Tua, those are the guys that got drafted first round. There's a plethora of other guys that got drafted in the later rounds. Who do you think out of that bunch starts first this year? All in extremely different situations. Herbert coming out of Oregon, getting to stay in the West Coast, play with the Chargers. He's got Tyrod Taylor in front of him, a proven vet who, by the way, I forgot this until I saw the third episode of Hard Knocks. He won a Super Bowl, by the way. He won it with the Ravens back when they beat the 49ers in the in the infamous game where the lights went out for a while and then there was the pass interference or not on the goal line with Michael Crabtree. He was he was the backup quarterback to Joe Flacco that year. And it's crazy because nobody will ever think about that because Joe Flacco was just so elite that elite. year. In that postseason, excuse me. Not even necessarily that year, just that postseason. So Herbert is sitting behind Tyrod Taylor for now. Inevitably, he will start. Tua is sitting behind Ryan Fitzpatrick, who uh, we did find out today Ryan Fitzpatrick did lose his mother, uh, which we send all condolences to him and his family and uh, just hope all the best again. 2020 just being been a tough year, being that pain in the rear end once again. So uh, God, God bless to him and his family and and hope they're doing well. But he's a proven vet, so Tua doesn't have to start right away. Tua's also got the hip concerns, although from what I'm hearing, he's moving really well in practice. There is no, there is no doubt about that. He looks sharp in practice, so expect him to start soon. And Jordan Love, obviously, he's going to back up Aaron Rodgers. And I'm going to guess he won't see the field anytime soon. But if you're going to ask me who's going to start first, I honestly think it's going to be Tua. Because while the injuries are a concern to me and they want to take it slow and they have Fitzmagic, actually, Fitzmagic, not Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic, his potential is Drew Brees. That's what we've heard this whole time. His accuracy is that of Drew Brees. If he's healthy and he looks good, you can't keep a guy like that on the bench. Fitzmagic will have a few games here and there. You cannot have a Drew Brees-esque accurate passer on the bench for that long. Not in my eyes. Now, I think Herbert's more of a project. 
And I think Love is sitting behind Aaron Rodgers, so good luck with that one. But I think Tua is the first one to first one to start. What are your thoughts? I think it's going to be hard for Tua to start early because Ryan Fitzpatrick is amazing for his four weeks of the season for some reason. I do think Tua will be first, but I don't think we're looking until week four or five. Other than obviously Joe Burrow, we haven't mentioned him because he's a lock already to start. First overall draft pick, he's going. So obviously like Herbert's a big project but I could see him starting early too I could see him starting around the same time as two in the week four or five where if the Chargers are like just about average or right under average with Tyrod Taylor there's no reason to miss playoffs with him put in your younger guy go get him and then for the situation of love I think either two things happen here love sits for four to five years and Aaron Rodgers retires or Aaron Rodgers looking for a suitor within the next season I think it's more likely that Aaron Rodgers is looking for a suitor. And going back to the Bengals, do they even have another quarterback on the roster outside of Joe Burrow? No, they released, um, what's his name? I don't even know. but I, Andy I, Dalton. We were forgetting Andy Dalton's name. And he of, went to Dallas. Yeah, that's why I forgot that. Bengals um, market, garbage. Regardless, I'm sure they have some backup. But the, the point is, is Joe Burrow is going to be the starter. I think, I agree with, like I said, I agree with you on the two. Uh, the, the Herbert thing's interesting because Tyrod Taylor could get hurt. He has gotten hurt before. That's how Baker Mayfield but started. Here's the thing with Tyrod Taylor, too. Just being average is not going to be good enough this year for Tyrod Taylor. No, he needs to make playoffs. Exactly. He needs to make playoffs and win in the playoffs, or his job is going to be given up to a rookie so they can start rebuilding. Dude, that team is dumb talented, by the way. Oh, yeah, defensively, Keenan Allen too. is absurd. Oh, yeah. They just signed Chris Harris. I think Keenan Allen's like top seven. I think people. Hard, are... Hard Knocks focused a lot on Melvin Ingram this week. Oh, and yeah. A lot he's of people a stud, forget though. him because Bosa gets a lot of the attention. But he's a stud too, in and of his Derwin James. Himself. He ended practice on an interception on a screen pass where he caught it with one hand. And yeah, Derwin James, like this team can't be average anymore. I'm pretty sure San Diego too is the only team in football to have the number one offense and the number one defense ever in 2010 and missed the playoffs because their special teams were just that bad. Yeah, that sounds about right. And that was back when they were San Diego. They are now. L.A., I still call them San Diego Me every too, once time. in a while. Forget about it. You know what? It just happens. But we're going to move on to somebody else who's looking for a home, and that's Earl Thomas. We we discussed on the last pod that he was more than likely going to Dallas. I thought he'd be signed by now, if we're being honest. Ian Rappaport came out and said that they are no longer speaking. Jerry Jones said, I don't know who this guy is. I don't know what he's saying. And then Ian Rappaport said, well, hey, Jerry, you said the same exact thing when I told you – something else, some other report that came out, and Ian Rappaport was right on the money, so in the end, I don't think he, it doesn't look like he's going to become a cowboy, thank God, praise pray, praise to be. I'm a lucky stars. Yeah, but Jolan, I want to talk about where his potential suitors might be now because I, you know, I'm just spitballing and I mentioned back when Jamal Adams was looking to get traded, that the 49ers might be looking for some safety help and not even not even that they need it, just more of like, hey, if they can get this guy cheap, they might do it. You know what I mean? So it's going to be fascinating. May, you know, I guess maybe I'm trying to think. What, what are your thoughts? Well, you my, first, my first thought is he stays AFC and replaces Jamal Adams with the Jets. They have a ton of cap, so they could obviously go and get him. And if it's cheaper, the better. I don't think he's going to go for as cheap as people want, but hey, guys are still in the market like Clowney who want a ton of money. So there are some suitors out there. Um, be interesting. You know, can he go to like a New Orleans Saints and like really lock down the secondary there and like propel them to a chip because they got the talent offensively? 
Who's running their second? I know they got Eli Apple. They got a couple of guys no, in their I secondary. Think Eli Apple's gone. Kenny Vaccaro back there. Yeah. And uh, the guy that gave up the uh, the Minnesota Miracle, the Minneapolis Miracle. Oh yeah, I know who you're talking about. Williams, but, I forget what his yeah. first name is. I I'm gonna throw a good one at you. How about New England, who lost their? I don't think Bill handles. Who them. lost their star safety? Patrick I had that Chum. thought. I had that thought, but I don't think. Bill can handle him. I mean, and what Bill he's been took doing. a flyer on Antonio Brown. Let's not forget. And I think Antonio Brown is levels above where Earl Thomas is. Now, obviously, he won't be able to fight his teammates in practice. <laughs> but I think that would be an interesting one. I think the Jets make a lot of sense actually to replace him. The problem is, is when you're rebuilding, Jolan, you can't. Re- you don't really bring in guys like that for a one-year deal. That's why I don't think you've seen the Giants take a one-year flyer on Clowney. Because it's just not going to do anything really for your football team because you're going to stink anyway. Now, the Browns get really hit hard in the cap next year, but they have the highest cap this year, right? Maybe the Browns. Maybe the Browns because they just lost Grant Delpit. Exactly. Their stars, Baby Jamal. exactly where I was going with this. Baby Jamal, he tore his Achilles. Uh, That's his nickname. And the cap, they leave the cap right now. They got $40 in cap left. Imagine the Browns go all out for one year, like a $15 million to Earl. They should. I mean, that's the best chance of getting to the playoffs. Absolutely. Now, again, that just adds to the team of misfits. Washington, he cannot end up in Washington. Oh, that's gross. Him and Landon Collins together, I don't think that works too well. Nah, you're right. Regardless, I think you will find a home maybe by next episode, maybe maybe a little bit later. I definitely doesn't want to go to training camp. So we're going to move on. I know that was a lot of NFL talk. We're going to move on to college. College football is ready to roll next weekend with BYU versus Navy being held on Labor Day weekend. It's actually going to be on Labor Day. So, Jolan, I'm very excited for that. We're getting some football in college. Now, the big news was the Big Ten talked about wanting to potentially play on Thanksgiving. Here's my problem. You can't go from releasing your schedule, which releases intention to play a season, to then canceling said season. Entirely. Entirely. To to then taking so much backlash that now you're considering playing on Thanksgiving, which, by the way, the other teams that are actually playing for a national championship this year, they're going to be wrapping up their seasons, by the way. So you're going to be starting as they're wrapping up. Yeah, you're going to be playing an asterisk title within your Big Ten. And not even that, I think this talks about Justin Fields' um, movement he started. He got so many signatures that, hey, their eyes are opening. These guys want to play and their futures depend on it. So it's not just some guys in suits making the calls. These players are petitioning too. Nebraska, Nebraska players are suing the NCAA, or the Big the Big Ten, not the NCAA yet, the Big Ten. Here's what I mentioned to somebody. Just say they won. They can't accept money. Parents. The parents can accept, but how does that work? Because if those guys are above the 18, the they're, they're legal. You know, they're, they're technically adults. So the money would go to them. It would go to the school program, you would hope. Which would be fascinating because that would, if it went to any of the players, it would be a rules violation. Yeah, I think. Which then creates a whole different disaster. I think it'd have to go to Nebraska football facilities. Right, but if it's the players on the lawsuit, then it would have to be a donation. It could be, uh, yeah, you're right. You know what I'm saying? So that gets really kind of interesting. Regardless, people are beyond upset about this. They are absolutely furious. And I think, in my eyes, they have a point. They, They really do have a point. And we got three leagues left playing. Joel, what is the percent chance you give right now that the Big 12, the SEC, and the ACC all play this year? 85. 85%? Here's the, here's the thing, and here's why. These programs, we're now on the downside of this virus in America, and these programs are 
need to run bases to stay at the highest levels they can. They can't just use tuition money on the football facility only. Like, that's how they are. Ticket sales are important. They're going to try to get half people in, I bet. They're going to try to get somebody in. And I think at some point, whether it be a week, two weeks, a month, Thanksgiving, these guys do get a season in. That'll be fascinating. I'm interested to see if they can get the whole season in. I don't know. We're shutting down campuses left and right here. That's another thing. There's no discipline with these kids. Absolutely not. And again, for for you to tell me that it's too much to ask of kids to stop partying. Well, it's not we're asking them to stop. We're asking them to pick one, play football or party. If you want to party, you don't play football. You got the freedom to, baby. It's that simple. You this is as much choice as you get any other year. Okay, so but from college to high school, I want to go to high school because in New Jersey they are still scheduled to begin October second. There was actually high school football on last night on ESPN. Or Texas? Which, which I did get to watch. I believe so. I want to say, yeah. yeah. Texas is always, they don't care what's it's going on. It's They're a playing football. down there. <laughs> playing there football classes. on time. There are classes on football down there. But regardless, in New Jersey, they are they are expected to start on October 2nd. The NJSIA announced, the NJSIA announced that 500 fans will be allowed. Now, coaches, from what I understand, are just happy it's better than zero. So, last episode, you had mentioned that high school football is more important than college, if not the most important over them all. Why do you say that? What's the importance behind high school football starting, starting late, and starting at all? Yeah, so I think some of our listeners could relate to this. I don't know their experience. There are certain individuals in high school that football keeps them going to class extracurricular activities keeps them going to class. It keeps them in school. Because if they're not doing that stuff, what else could they be doing? They could be in high school. They could be drinking. They could be smoking. They could be doing things that could be detrimental to They could be doing drugs. Correct. They could be doing drugs. You know, again, whether they're doing it now, regardless. But extracurriculars, and in particular a sport like football, it keeps students engaged. It keeps them in school. It keeps them focused. It gives them a reason. You know, I, one of the big things you always hear from any motivational speaker or anybody that's big, like Inky Johnson uh, is a really good one if you want to check him out. He's a great motivational speaker. And Eric Thomas, I believe, is his name. He's another great one. One of the biggest questions they ask is, what's your why? And for a lot of these kids, why do you go to school? Why do you try to get good grades? A lot of it is, hey, I got to do it for football. I got to make, you know, I got to make the team. That's how I'm staying out of trouble. My boys are playing. You know, I want to be with my team. So that's why I think it's a little bit more important in college. Listen, I know there's some guys that maybe could have had their Joe Burrow season. It's not an overwhelming percent, okay? Not 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 to many. And the pros, you know, I think it's I think they're just a step above high school because it is all about family. You know, some of these guys without a paycheck, they're screwed. They're not going to be able to feed the family. Not maybe not, not feed the family, but they're going to have to cut their lifestyle down to that of a regular person. Which and they've earned that lifestyle already. They've earned that lifestyle already. Right. We're not going to say. And if you should say, well, the athletes, well, welcome back to planet Earth. Well, that's a hard adjustment to go from that big lifestyle all the way back. We're down. not saying, oh, pity them, but at the meantime, imagine you earning something like that and getting pulled from you and have to make adjustments for no reason. Right. Absolutely. So that, but that's why I think high school is so important this year because you got to give these kids a reason. And I think that's why governor Murphy decided that even if your school's online, if the school okays a sport like football, you can still play because it still is important. Well, 
why do you go to all your online lectures? Because I have to for the football team. We got to think high school kids too. They've probably been either wrapped up inside their homes for so many times, just seeing their friends, so on and so forth here and there. But at the same time, football is a great sense of community. I mean, how many of our friends played football? Mostly all of them, right? Yeah. Why? Because we found our friends in football. Right. <laughs> That's just what it was. You went there, you have a sense of community, you see people, you interact, and it's a good social environment. People aren't talking about that enough. And These it, kids have been cooped up for so long, they need a good social structure. And it brings the community together. Look at, if you've ever been to Hirschfield, just look at it. If you're in Wayne, if you're in Ringwood, you know, Lakeland, Wayne Hills, DePaul, everywhere. You understand the sense of community at these games, not only with the players, but as the community as a whole. Now, they won't all be allowed to be there this year, but the kids still need it in my eyes and as they're as they're playing in front of fans. Side note, community as a whole, we probably have a decade reunion soon for that state title. That's weird to think about. It's almost been 10 2013. years. 2013. Yeah. 2013 That's to weird. 2023. <laughs> That's pretty crazy what a time that was, but... Transitioning from high school to Major League Baseball and Jolan, the Mets may or may not have been sold. It may or may not have been Steve Cohen. And oh boy, what a week they had. Let me take you back. So, while we saw the boycotts in most sports, the Mets decided not to do it on the night that the NBA and the rest of the leagues did it. They decided to look at it the next day. Well, GM, uh, our guy Brody he saw that there was an idea on the table for them to do a one-hour boycott and then play again. He thought this came from Rob Manfred. So what did he do? He released a press. uh, He put out a press release that completely ripped Rob Manfred. My boy. Completely. What every baseball fan loves. Now, here's the problem. Brody. About an hour later, we found out that this was the Wilpons idea to do this. Again, dumb idea no matter who it comes from. But, so what did the Wilpons do? They put out a a press release blasting Brody. And basically brown-nosing up to Rob Manfred. Kissing up. You know why? Because he he wanted him to approve the sell to A-Rod and J-Lo. I'm telling you that's why. They want them to own the team and not Stevie Cohen. Well, guess what? No one cares because now Stevie Cohen is the only one in the race because you know how that not only was it reported, but J-Lo also announced that she was sad that they were not getting the team. So it is Stevie time in New York, and the Mets might be under new management. Oh, and by the way, in they, New York. Right, we're back in the Hit New it. York groove. We're back in the New York groove. That's why I don't and, sing. I'm on radio. And the Mets, they beat the Yankees twice on Friday, which was fantastic. Pete Alonso with the tying home run. In game one, Dom Smith with the go-ahead home run. And then Ahmed Rosario hit a walk-off homer. Yes, walk-off homer in Yankee Stadium as the Mets were the home team in that, in the bottom of the seventh, off of Raldis Chapman. By the way, he's got three career bats, two home runs against Raldis Chapman, so I think he owns them right now. But that was the week of the Mets, and if you're the Yanks, they just can't get anything right. They were supposed to play the Braves, and then that got postponed. Then they lost both games of the doubleheader. They lost Aaron Judge in game two of that doubleheader. Good news, DJ LeMahieu's back. They're playing the Mets as we speak, so it should be more and more excitement. You mentioned DJ's back, but the Yankees are still hit with the injury bug. They got a lot of missing pieces still. Not only that, but we had said that this season's going to be a hot and cold year. You're either going to get hot real fast and you can carry it on. I think we're kind of seeing the backfire on that, where if teams catch cases, games get canceled, you can slow up. You can get cold. You cannot 
continue the hot streak if there's no games to play. Or if you're a team that's struggling, you can reel yourself exactly, back Exactly, or, or the opposite side of that. Which is kind of fascinating. So, uh, just a quick look at the playoffs. If they started today, we would have in the AL, the Rays, the Yanks, the Indians, the Twins, the White Sox, the A's, the Astros, and the Blue Jays. So that's three teams from the AL East, three teams from the AL Central, and two teams from the AL West. And just the Twins have been amazing. The Indians have been great. The Rays have just owned the Yankees, apparently, as of late. And and props to Toronto, man. You know, they're not playing in their home stadium. You know, they, they kind of get screwed this year. So, good for them. Looking at the NL, we got the Braves, the Marlins, believe it or not, the Cubs, the Cardinals, the Dodgers, as expected, the Padres, the Rockies, and the Mets would be the last team in just right now. Just under 500, sneaking in there. The Mets are one game below 500 as we speak on this podcast. That could change, obviously, depending on their results this weekend and moving into the week. But it's just fascinating that they're even there, Jolan, because a guy like Pete Alonso has been awful. A guy like Jeff McNeil hasn't really been the guy. The, the squirrel was his nickname that we saw last year. Dom Smith's been amazing. Dom Smith has been really good, not only not only on the field but off the field as well. He's kind of taken charge of this team this year. And you know what? Good for him. Dom Smith's been through a lot in his career to get to this point. And just really, really good for him. And I hope he can continue his hot streak. Again, he's just smoking the ball out of the ballpark. Left and right, driving it either which way. So uh, we'll we'll see where that goes. Hopefully but Pete can get hot. Right. But see again, both the, of them. the playoff race, the Braves we expected, the Marlins, I mean, holy crap. They just ruined Jacob DeGrom, by the way. The Mets blew a 4-1 lead in the eighth inning after DeGrom went seven innings, two hits, one earned run, and 14 strikeouts. And they they blew it, and then, I mean, they ended up winning. Ramos hit a game-winning RBI single in the bottom of the but eighth. But the win doesn't go to DeGrom. Again, he's going to have the greatest three-year stretch ever by a pitcher. With the worst record But nobody will care because he's got... he's. The record won't show it. I just can't imagine 30 games. It's 30 disgraceful. Now, like, oh, it's man. disgraceful. It really is. Wake up. Wake oh, up. But regardless, the playoff picture, I mean, the Padres, they kind of cooled down on their on their grand slams. But, again, they're still an exciting team to watch. They still have Fernando Tatis. One of the Tatis. most exciting, if not the most exciting team in baseball right oh, now. Oh, yeah. And it's because of Fernando Tatis. Now, they got a lot of other guys on that team. But he is the guy. He is the main attraction. So, people come to watch him. The Rockies just sneaky good. Well, people don't come to watch him. People just tune in to watch him. Right, in this day and age. Wow. Yeah, unfortunately, they don't get to come to watch him, although they'd be selling a ton of tickets otherwise. The Rockies are just kind of up there. You know, people have been talking about Nolan Arenado getting traded. The way they're they're looking right now, I don't know why you would. I don't even know why you did talk to people about it. So it's just just dumb, and I'm just going to throw this in here as uh, salt on the wound. The Boston Red Sox just continue to be absolutely horrific. Horrible. Yeah. My buddy Cam in the chat was like, oh, you see the Mets almost blow the game the other day? I'm like, you see the Red Sox get beaten up every day? Like, come on, And they're about to trade one of their better players in division to the Tampa (laughs) Bay Rays. So, I love watching them demise. Almost as much as I watch the Yankees demise. Everything is beautiful up there in Boston. So, we're just going to keep it rolling from there. But uh, we're going to go down to Orlando for our last little segment. The reason we haven't talked much about the NBA is because there hasn't been much NBA to talk about in terms of games on the floor. And that is because on Thursday, the Milwaukee Bucks started this whole thing. Everybody knows what happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Milwaukee obviously being in Wisconsin 
they they decided to boycott their game against the Orlando Magic. The Magic agreed. Both teams boycotted. Then it just proceeded down the line with OKC Houston and the Blazers and the Lakers. So. I'd expect some heads of the NBA, Chris Paul, the Russ Westbrooks, they probably got together. Correct. Like, people hey, we were, can't be playing these games right now. From what I understand, people were very active on all conference calls and stuff like that. There was meetings and there was discussion about a potential cancellation of the season, including the best player in the league, LeBron, walking out of the meeting because he believed this season, the season could be can- should be canceled. And that was his thoughts. He came back the next day. From what I understand, they had a really long meeting. They decided to resume the season. That will start tonight, Saturday. They will resume with the teams that were supposed to play on Thursday. And then Sunday will be the teams that were supposed to play on Friday. So I believe that Raptors, Celtics, Jazz, Nuggets, and I'm blank. And the Clippers, Mavericks. So, And a lot of people are going to say, I just want to get to this point real quick. A lot of people are going to say, well, what are the Raptors all in, all in arms for? Because that's actually the game we heard first that might be boycotted. And that's because their president, Masai Ujiri, video recently surfaced of an incident that took place when they won the championship in Golden State with a police officer sho- violently shoving him twice, at least. It's the team president. Correct. And he went, you know, the, the cop says, well, he didn't show his credentials. He was going to grab his credentials. Literally, you could see the body cam footage. Regardless. Not even that. He should be able to walk in every door unannounced. He's the president of the establishment. He runs that team. So this whole topic of wrongdoings to African Americans by police officers has hit them hard. Because, again, that police officer was, like, suing them for damages. And he said, you know, he was in a ton of pain and everything like that. And then the body footage came out a year later. And we saw what really happened. So it's a team where what happened in Wisconsin really hits home with them. And so that's why, to me, they were one of the first teams to jump to jump at it and think about a boycott. Now, I bet there's a lot of people in America, they're going to say, oh, what can the NBA do with protesting? What can a one-day boycott of or strike against their um, employer do? It's simple. They boycotted for one day, and they got things out of it. They have now NBA stadiums for voting revenues. So they're going to be hosting votings in every NBA stadium across America. And they have other things in place. They didn't just strike for no reason. They did get something out of this. And the people win. The people have won. I mean, in-person voting for anybody should be positive. We're fighting this virus. Got more voting booths, more separation. This is good for everybody. And I think you're going to see other sports leagues do this. I really do. I think that's this is something they can get behind in opening Because they can't change stadiums. legislation. As much as we'd want people in power and, like, leverage and society leverage it's not going to work like that it's just you need legislation you need bills exactly it's just not realistic and as much as as much power as a guy like lebron has it just will not change legislation and nothing, not right now not right now maybe down the road but not right now and nothing will change unless people plot plan strategize organize and bring new legislation can't just go running around like maniacs right now, gotta bring legislation now, what would the players... You're going to ask, what would the players lose anyway with a cancellated season? It would void the CBA. The owners would lock the players out next season. And the salary cap implications, they're going to lose all that revenue. It could be really detrimental to the league. And again, I, we were talking about this in prep. They're in such a hard spot because, to me, their platform playing is so critical. And that's the platform they stand on. And again, when they go out in public, yeah, are they big name guys? But 
not as many eyes are on them when they're out in public as it is when they're on the court. And again, the hard part is, is what does the NBA do from here? What, what can they tangibly do to help further these causes? So it's going to be interesting to watch. But like I said, they're back. And I'm excited. I'm excited. We got a lot going on. We got baseballs going. The NBA playoffs are going to be back. The NFL's coming. College football is coming. And it looks like high school football is coming too. So that's going to wrap it up for episode 14. Another amazing episode. Guys, we're bringing guests for you. I promise. They're coming. They're going to be coming up in later episodes. And it's we're going to make it happen. So stay tuned. We got Drew Lieberman's going to come on. Phil Yates from ESPN is going to be on at some point. We're going to look to get a lot of people involved in this thing. So stay tuned for that. We want to hear your comments. You can reach me personally on Twitter at Gossiker56 or on Instagram at GooseOnTheMic. Jolan, how might the audience be able to reach you and the podcast if they want to? You can follow me on Twitter at GoodOldJoles or Instagram at JolanBiokwa, J-O-L-I-N-B as in boy, I-O-K-U-A. Or you can follow us on Twitter at PodcastAirItOut or Instagram at AirItOut.Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, or compliments, you can reach us there. We're bringing you more fantasy football, too. Don't worry about that. Yeah, we'll definitely talk some fantasy football next time, and we'll keep it rolling here as we get closer to the NFL season. And, you know, Jolan, last week was the Mamba episode, and, you know, I think it's honorably due that we make this the Chadwick Boseman episode, Wakanda Forever, uh, famously, you know, known as Black Panther and Jackie Robinson in the movie 42. Yesterday was Jackie Robinson Day in baseball, so I, it was quite the emotional day, I'm sure, for many, and we we hope he's resting in peace, and we will see you back for episode 15, where we're going to have another jam-packed show for you, so until next time, rest in power, Chadwick Boseman, Wakanda forever.